don't know if I've ever been this thirsty in my life. This is a very subtle hint you're dropping there. What do you want to get? What do you want to get started or something? <laughs> I didn't even mean that. I just want one. Ben, did you put a paint <laughs> glass in the fridge? Yes. Okay. Like why? I don't. I don't remember putting that in there. Went to my dad's house recently. My mom's house too. Uh huh. They always put their stuff in pint glasses, and I was like. I mean, they always chill their pint glasses. Oh. And I had that beer. I had that whatever I had there. I was like, oh, my God, why don't I do that? Well, I have some news for us. Honor or author? Well, I mean, it could be both. I mean, it could just, if John's starting to re- has started the recording, then I'll just start. Well, now we have to talk a little bit to pretend like we didn't just acknowledge that it's recording. Oh, okay. So then I says to him, I says, that's not a meatball sandwich. How that's many times do just, we have to talk about this, see. Ben? You can't start a conversation like we've been in the middle of one. <laughs> Why'd we just sing the last two words of the song? Read what To you. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so I follow Border Brewing Company on Instagram, and they shared this reel about how you shouldn't uh, be drinking ice-cold beer because it hides the, the off flavors or other other nuances in the flavor profile, and then you won't you won't get it. Like you won't get the full flavor of the beer. Reed, if you tell me so, one more time that a liquid of mine is not the right temperature, my beer is too cold, my vermouth's too warm. Okay, well, the <laughs> vermouth thing... I don't know what why you won't listen to me about that one. I don't disbelieve you. I just don't care. Oh, I'm That's sure so you don't. Funny. I believe you. Yes. I'm just not, I don't give a shit. Your, your, your fortified wines should be That's kept so in the funny. fridge after they're opened. We'll see if I have space in my new fridge. Okay. I just might. Just, I mean, like, how, how much vermouth do you use anyway? <laughs> one a year. One you know, vermouth a year. That's then it exactly one vermouth. <laughs> How much comes to this drink? Eh, one. One. <laughs> one. One. One quantity. I saw this meme about, like, how long does a snail live? Like, what's the average lifespan of a snail? And the answer was just three. Three? Just... <laughs> three. Dang, that's either really short or really long. You know what else has a length of three? The Arts and Crafts Podcast. And a yard. (laughs) (laughs) But welcome back to Arts and Crafts. If it's your first time, great to have you. It's the the show where we explore the arts uh, and then we discuss the arts and explore craft beer. I think we explore both. We explore explore the arts and enjoy craft beer. And do both. I mean... I don't know. Read the description on the podcast app you're using. That will be better than anything I can say. Discussing beer. It, it says right there. My uh, name is John. With me is Ben and Reed. Uh, again, if it's your first time, I really appreciate it. And if it's you're not your first time, what? Why are you here what? again? <laughs> Did you, you learn the last bored. time? <laughs> you must be really bored. No, no, no. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah, that's it. Uh, but Ben's already complained about yeah, how thirsty it. he is. And I'm really excited to share the beers we have. So let's crack them or get right into it and explain what we have. I'll let you guys oh go first. Goodness. We're not. Oh. Hold on. If you're not ready, then yeah. I can go first. What Ben and I are drinking is the Uda Pils Skolsch, a Kolsch style beer. It's a good it's beer. A, it's a. Uh, Uda Pils is in Minnesota, Minneapolis, to uh, be more. Uh, Descriptive, I guess. Um, this is a 4.9% and 25 IBU um, mm-hmm. brew. Oh, boy. And, yeah, we're drinking pints. So. Oh, is you got the dirty? pounders? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thanks for bringing these down last time. Hey, no time, problem. <laughs> I'm surprised they've survived so long. They almost didn't. Well, yeah. I am surprised that I could I was able to wait this long for it. Do you want to tell us what you are having, or should I, we no? I crack these now. I'll I'll share. So I have the honey raspberry wheat from Castle Danger. 
Ooh, and for the of course you do. for the uh, astutious arts and crafts listeners, then you will know this is the only beer I've given a five out of five on. <laughs> this, so I want to try it out of a can. I've only had it on tap. I'm excited for it. It's a 5.5% alcohol by volume, zero IBU, uh, out of obviously Castle Danger, which is uh, up in Two Harbors, Minnesota, up north, up just a little bit oh, north of Duluth, back. along the North Shore. Uh, when I lived in Duluth last summer, we went a few times, and it's a great brewery. But I'm excited to try it again. I'm excited to try it as well, John. Yes. When. Oh, no. Well, Reed complained about his glassware. So. I did not complain. I asked why I didn't get a pint glass. Because there was only one cold one, and you would have complained because it would be too cold. So. <laughs> no, I would not have complained. It's not vermouth. That's my yeah. glass. <laughs> All right, I'm cracking this. Yeah. Bingo card, Bill spin, spill. Ben spilled. Bill spend it. <laughs> Bill spend it a beer. <laughs> Three. Man. It's just as good as I remember. It's so good, man. Oh, I was I. Uh, I don't know how they get away from like the syrup taste that you get with some flavored wheat beers. Maybe they really put raspberry or something, and I don't know. I feel like flavored and fruity wheat beers can just be syrupy. And if you're and, looking for oh. paper towels, they're over in. I might have to write a beer review about this one. It's made such an impact on my life. You should. It's it's like. A good in a good way, I hope. Yeah, look at that color. Does, the that camera like, doesn't do it justice, but is that like pretty reddish pink? Or? Yeah, it's just like a deep red, almost almost an amber, but just a deeper kind of reddish pink. Mm-hmm. It's very pretty. Raspberry yeah, well, color, I guess, would be a good. <laughs> ours ours looks like a beer. Um, oh yeah, looks good. I mean, it's it's a it's a Kolsch, so it is. Um, it's not supposed to be dark. It looks like a Kolsch. Oh. A little lower on the SRM. Oh, my. Sure. This is um, amazing. Well, what's what's amazing about it? The the formerly copacetic, this award-winning, approachable year-round beer is an ideal pairing for your perfect day with your favorite people or kick back with a good book. The subtle hops balances perfectly with the lightly... Wheat alt blend. Yeah, that's exactly that, that's, what's. That's what you love about I just, it. <laughs> I just made that it. up on the spot. Even, wow. Even the even the former name copacetic. I made that up. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, this is. Um, I've had this before, haven't I? I don't think. So. I don't think you have. Was this the one we had it in the fridge and then yeah, everybody? Yeah, and I, I kept. Me. I kept saying, Ben, you have to try this before I drink it all, and then you never did. Last well, on last year's thing. Minnesota trip, yeah. Yep. Good thing we know John. Um, it is extremely well balanced. Definitely. Um, did we talk about Kolsch on the last one? I feel like I talked about a Kolsch I had, but this one is um, it's more on. It's definitely more on the sweet side. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have that bitterness that. I feel like a Kolsch, they either like make it bitter or they make it sweet. Yeah. This is on the sweet side. It's extremely smooth. I think the first time I had it, I kind of likened it to half almost. And it's, yeah. it's a yep. flavor profile in mouthfeel. Yeah. It's, pretty, it's like a pretty malty, sweet, sweet malty, mm-hmm. light F type, right? Yeah, I know this is one where it's like there's there's not a there's not a weird element to it like John's. Yeah, so it's like it's just it's just a really good Mm -hmm. Kolsch, real clean, cold. You mentioned non-American beer. Is there any sort of like clove or anything of that nature to it, or is it not quite that far on the half scale? Like, I don't. You just mentioned half that far. It's just it's just super smooth. Yeah. And like, there's a fruitiness to it that um, most light beers don't have if they're not described as like a fruit yeah. beer, you know. I typed caster dane caster dangle. <laughs> caster John, have dangle. you had? Have you had this? This 
Colch from Uda Pills? I had it last week when I was at a family like lake vacation. I'll tell you what, it's even better on the lake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, their thing doesn't say anything about Wouldn't the honey raspberry wheat. Yeah, there's no flavor description about the honey raspberry wheat, unfortunately. I think it's only a summer, like, seasonal thing, so I don't I don't know if they put the effort into updating Untapped about it. Do you get some honey from this one, Ben? Mm. Or am I just being, uh, am I, because I'm hearing honey from John, now I'm thinking about it. Does somebody say honey? Mm. Now that you say that and I drink it again. <laughs> I think that yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's got it's like got that. that sweetness, but it's not like. I mean, I know I just said it was it had like a fruity sweetness to it, but I don't know. It's it. If you, it's if somebody, cer- it's certainly not overpowering like, what you'd imagine like a, a raspberry wheat or a strawberry wheat or something like that. Right. It's more. It's more subtle. Like, you can't quite describe what the sweetness is, but it's definitely there. Well, if they told me it was honey, I'd say, oh, yeah, yeah. you're right. Let's see. It's honey. I think it's honey. Let's see what they what they say. Ooh, that's interesting. What? Um, in the, on the untapped suggested flavor, what do you call them? Uh, flavor notes? Sure. Uh, one of them is banana. So speaking, oh, of yeah. that, speaking of I, I think half, yeah, I, there's some, there's some banana. Yeah, it's definitely it's like a. I think that's that's probably what gives it that smooth sweet yeah. taste. It's definitely like a a, col- a heffish colch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see Which here is like right you... up Ben's alley. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's <laughs> what incredible! Did, what did, I gave it a four point seven five the first time I had it. John gave it a three point seven five. That was last week. I had it. I had it August fourth a year last year, so so about a year ago was when I was like, oh, I need to drink one of those, and then I went to Seattle, and you're like, I'm gonna drink all of them. Well, I didn't. Ross had one or two of them. Ross had all of them. <laughs> He's not here to defend himself. Ross yeah, had Ross. all of them. <laughs> yeah. well, other than the one I had, yeah. So speaking of uh, beer from Minnesota, <laughs> Reed, you know where I'm going in a month. Minnesota? I sure hope so. Otherwise, something went really wrong. (laughs) Yeah. A month from now? Or like two months? A month and a half from now? A month from now, I'll be going to First Friday. Okay. But two weeks after that, (laughs) I'll be in Minneapolis. (laughs) And I'm going to, indeed, six days in a row. (laughs) And then... And then you'll have to come down to Kansas City and bring me the beer that you're picking out for me. Right, straight from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. It's that only way, an hour all... longer from Kansas City way... to Minneapolis. Really? Yeah, because yeah. well, you just stay on 35 instead of going through Des Moines and it's so annoying. Right. But but mm-hmm. the, but then we can all have the same beer again for an episode. That is true. That is true. Reed, how about you meet me halfway in like Minneapolis or something? <laughs> In many, maybe halfway. I guess, in many I guess it would be it would be halfway for you. It's like you you went there, right? You don't have to come back. I'll tell you what, I'll I'll even meet you. Um, I mean, I'd say if we like met in Des Moines or something on the way up there. Yeah, I'll even meet you in like central Minneapolis. I'll come down from northeast a little bit, <laughs> about twenty minutes. Okay. okay, not even Rochester, just <laughs> no, no, not even Paul. out of the cities, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> just meet me at Mall of America. Yeah, I was gonna say no, I'll meet you. That's, that's still. I'll meet you in Bloomington. Too, I think. Too, too, How about Burnsville? Gosh, I'll go to Burnsville. That's as far south as I go. Well, I mean, we are gonna have to figure out how how to do this while we're all separated. All over the place. So we'll figure um, it out. Go to go to Best Buy while you're up there. If there's still one at the Mall of America, I don't know. But there's not. Oh, then never mind that. I was gonna say, get me some equipment. It is a, um, it's like a shooting arcade now. That Best Buy spot. A shooting arcade. Yeah, it's it's actually really disturbing. Yeah, that's really like bold a, to put that in a mall. <laughs> yeah, it's like a very like mm, nationalist hmm. themed shooting gallery in a mall. 
like a that uh what, what's that thing i forget what it's called something 88 or oh, oh yeah gosh yeah yeah but it's like it's not real guns oh but it's it's so ron it's, swanson it's as close as it could be ron swanson would have some trouble though well ron would have plenty of trouble without breakfast well but like you know he couldn't he couldn't play that game where he's trying to shoot bucks at the bowling alley rink. or yeah, he just kept he just kept shooting dollars yeah into the machine <laughs> right right <laughs> he was bad at the game did we give it comes back did we give it a number the, these beers did uh, i hear three, a number on you guys <laughs> snails three. i gave it a 4.75 last time you're not ranking it again i don't i'm not ready to rank it yet hmm I'm struggling with I don't, this one. I don't think I'll go that high this time. Really? Really. Mm, this is tough because the first couple sips, I was like, this is the greatest thing I've had. But I was also extremely thirsty. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's kind of uh, feeling a lot maltier. Yeah. I think that tends beer. to happen as it warms up, right? Yeah, beer beer does that to you. Is there malt in it or something? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, the more it goes on, the more it becomes just like a sweet malty thing. A little bit of bitterness. Mm-hmm. I th- like a beer? Kind of like a beer. I still <laughs> think I'm going to go 4.25. Okay. That's adequate. That's, um, I'm trying to decide if I should bump it up to the 4.5 that I just clicked. Yeah, we're gonna go at four point five. Because <laughs> I don't know how I'm gonna beat this Kolsch, other than that one I had like a month ago. Mm-hmm. And John rated his a ten out of five. I gave like. it a five again. I can't find anything wrong with it. I was even as it warms up, it's not getting bad. It's not getting syrupy or thick. It's just it's just as refreshing as the first sip. Good for you. So before I left after spilling my beer, I was going to say that I'm guessing they used. Uh, was it a ra- is it a honey raspberry? Is honey that raspberry, yeah, honey raspberry. I'm guessing wheat. they used a raspberry puree. Um, oh, much like Brickway does. Yeah, Did they just put um, it in like a but, brewer's bag or whatever it's called. That kind of like well, does it seep into it or. Yeah, there's two ways to do it. You could do it that way with raspberries, or you could get a um, like a jar, I guess, of raspberry puree and just kind of. Fold it in, David. And uh, either way, everything. Either way is is better than just like a syrup. Um, yeah, literally. A, sort of a a prepackaged puree will be even more, you know, closer to a syrup than if you were just mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, what's the word? Steep it in there, or whatever you want to yeah. say. Um, but I am curious. I'll have to try that when I'm up there because I'm very curious about the honey aspect because I feel like that, I mean. You think raspberry is sweet enough, right? Like why do you need the, the honey? <laughs> right. I think it's for right. the, I think it's for the texture because I don't taste a ton of honey. Mm. Yeah, the raspberry comes through, yeah. but it's just, it's not like thin. It's just, uh, I don't know. Well, There's it, a little thickness probably, to it. And I think the honey helps with that. Does it, is it tart? Is it very tart? It probably balances out the tartness is my guess. Yeah, Tar- that the tartness from the raspberries. Is it mm-hmm. is it acidic at all, or is it thick enough that it's not really acidic? I wouldn't give it acidic. No, I don't Good. know. That's, okay, this yeah. just sounds incredible. I, I I can't I can't find anything wrong with it. Like that's why I keep giving it fives. <laughs> and I thought last time it was just because it was like after a hike and like I was just just as thirsty yeah. as Ben was about ten minutes ago. And, <laughs> And we're sitting outside and up in northern Minnesota. And I was like, this is the best beer of all time. So it's good to have it again and be like, wow, this is actually one of the best beers I've had. Um, and validate gonna, my, my. You know what soul. you're going to find out? You're going to say this beer is so flawless. I can't find anything wrong with it. Then you're going to find out it had some racist tweets from 10 years ago. That oh, I hate us. when that happens, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It better not. Yeah. It better not. Honey Raspberry Wheat said what? (laughs) (laughs) They don't support the Writers Guild? (laughs) Uh, 
Too soon. <laughs> Castle Danger has some pretty good stuff. Yeah. You know, Castle Danger uh, has spoiled the heck out of me at Twins games. Yeah. And it to the point where I don't know if I'll even get that cream ale again. I've had it so much. Like, you've gotten tired of it, or you just built up the reputation in your mind so high that... Kind of both. It's it's more so that I want to try other things. Oh, okay. So the past two times... Well, past, like, three times I've been up there, I haven't had a Castle Danger cream ale. And for those of you who don't know, I used to bring back a full case of those, 24 cans. Um... Partly because there were very, very few cream ales available to find in Omaha mm-hmm. back in 2019. Um, but it's incredible. And when I was staying at a lake in 2020, maybe, um, I had a whole bunch of those. And then that was kind of like, all right, I think I'm good for now. And haven't had one since until I went to the Twins game. I think it was last summer. Not the one with you guys, but the one of the ones I went to on my own. Not Gotham City. Not, not Gotham City. One. It's like Gotham City in here. John's <laughs> hat flies off, and he still yeah. has it. He still has That's it, it looks hat. like. It survived. But, yeah, I think I was just like, well, I've done that beer now. It's time to move mm-hmm. on. So, yeah. If I could I interest you in one when you come up in a month and a half, the Dangerous Man cream ale I had, I think, on the last episode that we oh, recorded yeah. together. I think it's better mm-hmm. than the Castle Danger cream ale. I think it's really? it's just got a little more flavor to it, and it's really good. So I, Yeah, I think I'm going to have to. I think this will be my last beer until then. I'm going to have to fast. Ooh, to that. there you no, go. Because, actually, the dangerous thing is then I'll have one beer and be like, whoa. Right. Oh. Right. You, you've <laughs> got you've to like do maybe one or two a week. Well, that'd be one or two more than I normally have. Is the issue one one every two weeks? How about just one a week? Sure. And then that week I'll have one, okay, two, one hour. Two every two weeks. <laughs> it's it's funny too because this kind of conversation makes me think like, oh, people who don't drink or even people who do are going to hear this and be like, geez, what is wrong with him or them? But the, I'll stress again, I don't drink because I enjoy drinking. I enjoy the beer. It is, it's, the... it's so good. And there's, especially like going to Minneapolis, there are so many options. There's so much to try. Well, like, not like there aren't here in Omaha. Well, I've tried much, many more of them. Yeah. I also feel like, I don't know, there's just something about that cold lake brewed beer that. Lake brewed beer? <laughs> lake brewed they go beer. Into the, they go into the lake, you know, under at, the water, into the You know, the Atlantis? Yeah, that was inspired by Minnesota breweries. Right, all of them. What I if bet Atlantis you know? has some fire breweries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I bet some water breweries too. Oh, it's like, hey. you know how uh, you know how like uh, in Nebraska, a casino has to be on the river, right? It has to be on the water, mm-hmm. and it's like in, Min- in Minnesota, a brewery has to be in a lake. In a lake. Luckily, that's not the case. But oh man, speaking of case, John. You came down with a curious case of movie watching recently. <laughs> I did come down with a curious case of movie watching. Wow, that was really smooth, Ben. <laughs> Not as smooth as Just the like good pills beer. Skull. Skull. Yeah. <laughs> Brought to you by. Oh my god! I keep looking at John's screen. And I'm like, why is there that like beige colored door? Because our door oh. is green. Why am I mm-hmm. seeing that? Yeah. And then I realized I'm an idiot. Because John's not here, unfortunately. Gosh, I just ruined our incredible segue. It's okay. Speaking yeah. of segue. Speaking like of segue. <laughs> you just wanted to do that. <laughs> uh, today's yeah. topic outside of the beer we're drinking, kind of moving into the art realm of the podcast, I kind of wanted to talk and just open up this, the discussion about scores and, and movies. And not like the rating score, but like the music and the, the, you know, the score of the film. And I'm going to apologize in advance for people that are film connoisseurs. They may continue to call them movies. I know that can irk some people, so I apologize. But I'll do my best to call them films, trying to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I watched Oppenheimer lately, this last week. Great film. So I'm, we're not going to spoil it at all or anything. I mean, it's not much to spoil, I guess, right? If you just kind of know the history. But it's still, go see it. It's really I, great. Um, I almost made a joke that would have accidentally spoiled it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
But I just after Don't seeing let the this movie, bomb, ben. nice. After seeing the movie, I kind of like really realized like how important the music is to emphasizing like and just kind of hammering home really important scenes and emotions primarily. I mean, mm-hmm. I think like that, like that final scene where they kind of talk about everything that happened in the movie and they kind of duck about the effects that'll have on like humanity. And it's just like, wow, this is a really powerful scene. And then you have this unbelievable score from um, Ludwig. I don't want to say his last name. Gore. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sorry. Beat heaven. (laughs) Goranson, I believe it's Swedish. Uh, I apologize. But, um, I just think Don't they... be sorry that it's Swedish, John. It's okay. <laughs> um, Let him get through a sentence. What was I saying? <laughs> this, it's a very this, important thing, and I want to know what, what you guys think about it. And if you have any favorite film scores, but I really want to hear, like a, a film that's really stood out to you and has kind of made an impact on you and the music behind it. This is the main question I want to get to. Mm. The good news is I prepped for this one. Good, because... I didn't prep a lot. I, okay, here's what I prepared. Reed, what do you think of John's question? <laughs> Good one. Um, I mean, I think all three of us know how um, sound can drive, um, like how how it can influence um, a visual work in some some way. Um, whether you're experiencing it or you're producing it, like can change the piece for better or worse um now if i were to pick something that i think really stood out in this sense it would probably be um kind of just like the horror genre mm-hmm. in Ooh, in uh, like in its entirety um because there's a lot of like specific sounds that um drive the audience feeling as opposed to um like it's just a song or whatever but it's a lot more of the nuanced sounds like um like a ticking clock mm-hmm. you know it's um what however that makes you feel i was just thinking about gary goldman's 60 minutes bit today um, and you know that really, really uh, he's the minutes clock gives him anxiety every Sunday night. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's definitely a relationship between yeah, um, audio and visual as we've discussed before. I think the the example I had written down, like the moment John suggested this the other day, um, is. A horror film. Yeah. Um, and to me, it'll probably still be the greatest usage, usage of score of all time, in my opinion. And that is in... Um, it's a bug in here. Daddy Daycare. Yeah. <laughs> Grown Ups <laughs> 2. <laughs> no, that is in uh, the 1960 Alfred Hitchcock film, Psycho. Oh. Um, I haven't seen that. Really? Really. Oh, that's too bad. I haven't seen many horror films. So this was, this was l- literally like revolutionary at the, t- at the time. Mm-hmm. It's something where, because uh, I've shown it to a variety of different people over the years, and some people get it, and some people are like, "What was scary about that?" I'm like, "Well, it came out in 1960." Yeah, you know, nothing. You, no one had seen anything like that before. It was the first movie ever to show a toilet. Really? Like that? That right? That's how it's like. What? What? Um, let alone to show some of the other stuff it shows, which is not even. Again, it's like you don't actually see any direct violence. It's not gory or anything. But at that time, it was just like, whoa! They showed mm-hmm. a toilet. Whoa! <laughs> Damn! <laughs> but the score in that movie, right from the beginning, they they come in with this. Um, Kind of like sharp, like orchestral sound, uh, heavy on the strings, 
and it's very like jarring and it really puts you on puts you on edge um it was done by composer brad bernard herman just want to give him credit um he and alfred hitchcock worked together a lot and they legend has it for this movie they kind of started out with a difference of opinion hitchcock mm-hmm. wanted like a jazzier type of feel which is like where in their um professional relationship was this project uh they'd been working together since i think the early 50s they'd probably been okay. working together for a decade or so um but this, was this one of the first times that they had some kind of disagreement or do you not know it doesn't really matter i guess um i don't know for sure but i i think it was one of the times it was one of the first times there was kind of some disagreement mm. but hitchcock ended up trusting him luckily because it it's a very strange balance between like i kind of mentioned that sharp sort of like um it in in some moments it's very sharp and in some moments it's subtle and quiet and kind of builds up to it like any good you know film score would have mm-hmm. that balance but it is done in such perfect moments and I think if anything else, if anyone ever watches that movie, whether you don't like the plot or that, you know, the acting, whatever, it's in black and white, you know, whatever thing you don't like, <laughs> yeah. at least pay attention to the score. Because I think if you take the chance to kind of like think about that as you're watching it, you'll really notice like, wow, that is like perfectly done. Mm. And again, it was kind of an earlier, earlier example of doing that in a horror film to where... You know, nowadays, if you think of any horror movie, those beats are kind of built in, right? Like if you watch Insidious or The Conjuring or something, like, you know, we all we all know about like the idea of a jump scare, right? Yeah. And some of those things can be hinted at through, you know, through the music. Yeah. And so those those things are just like standard now, you know. With Psycho, it was done so perfectly. And, and in Alfred Hitchcock films, he had every single shot so meticulously planned out. So the music had to match that, you know, the score had to yeah, had to be right the same. Now. He would literally he would he would like set up the scene and tell the cinematographer exactly what he wanted and he would just walk away. He wouldn't even look through the lens cuz he knew how perfect <laughs> the shot was going to be. So the music matches that if you if you pay attention, you're like, "Wow, every last millisecond is so perfectly planned out." So that's the example I have. It's something where I think if you ever hear the music, if you see that movie and then you hear the music outside of that, I mean, I get goosebumps like every time. Yeah. Not that I hear it often. Yeah. But. I think <laughs> it's, drive here. it's similar with <laughs> yeah. like action or thriller series like Star Wars or um, Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy where it's mm-hmm. like... It's it almost becomes a theme music yes. for specific characters. Yes, like everyone knows the Darth Vader uh, mm-hmm. theme, like Imperial the, March. Sure, you know when the umpires are walking <laughs> down the baseline yes. before a baseball game and they're yep. playing that. It's like, oh no, here comes the villain. Um, but it's like over. Over time, it's just like those become so ingrained in that character, that yeah. that uh, that series where it's like you can't think of something else um, other than that, what it was designed for, I guess. Um, right. So, like, I guess it was meant to do that. So. Well, and the theme music is interesting because it can, it can, it can end up doing its own sort of storytelling mm-hmm. yeah. through the movie. So, like, think about the Dark Knight. By the time you get to the end and those familiar sounds are, are, you know, the volume is sort of being built up to the sort of like triumphant end of the film. It's like, you, it's almost like that the music has told that story along with the visuals that whole time. Yeah. And so even right. if you don't see it, you could kind of, you know, feel this energy through the music, I feel like, where it, it's kind of that same theme throughout, but now it's like resolved itself. It's where, like, the score is its own story. It's, yes. like, alongside the plot line, right? Yes. So you can listen to it independently, and it'll take you on that same or similar journey, and it's going to resolve in the same way. And 
Right. I think that's a really important and very unique aspect that not a lot of movies have achieved or a lot of scores and films have, have achieved like at all. <laughs> well, it's really, it's really hard to yeah. achieve that, especially because you have to have a composer who is, is of that mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think like we were talking about with psycho or horror films, you know, those are meant to, you know, aid in the, in the visual aspect of the storytelling process by adding in this audio aspect. Right. Whereas like we just said, I think in some things like the dark Knight, it is its own sort of story. It it certainly does aid in the visual story, but it's also, like we said, it's kind of its own thing. It's one of those soundtracks that you could just kind of listen to on your own if you wanted to. And you still yeah. kind of know like, Oh, this is kind of what's happening. You know, if you listen to the psycho, you know, soundtrack, <laughs> if that exists, you may be able to say, oh, that's from this particular part, but most of it's just like, nope, that's just some creepy music. Yeah, Yeah, I'm really really anxious right now. (laughs) Right, exactly. Uh, So here's, I have one example that kind of splits the difference though. And this is not a film, it's not a movie, but it may as well be a bunch of short movies. But in Stranger Things, Hmm. there is a really, really good usage of, of music it is scored in such a way that has that sort of theme. You know, there's each season kind of has its own little sound to it. Yeah. And that theme kind of comes through throughout the season. But it's also done in such a perfect setting that, again, like I, I actually have those soundtracks saved on my phone. And if I listen to those, you can just kind of feel like where they were in the show. Yeah. And it, it's kind of a it becomes a sort of a more of a of an experience you know um but i think again it's like well they set out to to find a composer who could do that uh danny elfman used to do the scores for the old batman movies in the 90s and his were very very much like um I think of a good word for this, but like kind of dramatic, like over the top almost mm-hmm. because he was trying to kind of create this like world within this world through music so that everything felt so significant. And it's really, really interesting because the original trailer for the 1989 film Batman had no music at all because they rushed to get it out there. And so they just cut some scenes together. There's no music. It's literally just scene, 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 scene. And then the movie itself has all this incredible music scored by Danny Elfman. It features songs by Prince. It's, it's just very strange. It's like this, this artistic phenomenon, this crazy production. And then the trailer has no music whatsoever because they rushed it. Because so they rushed it. <laughs> very strange. Mm. What is it the... Is it the maze? Is that <sighs> with um? I don't think it's. I don't think it's called the maze. Damn. Maze Runner. Blade no. Runner. Cool running. I'll, I'll bring it back up if if it <laughs> yeah if for some the reason labyrinth. It, the labyrinth yeah <laughs> and labyrinth the maze it was... <laughs> was it the labyrinth? Yeah, I think so. With uh. <laughs> yeah, the, the labyrinth. Maze. The giving pine. The giving pine. The sharing pine. Sharing pine, sorry. Yeah, no, just uh, Labyrinth with David Bowie. I mean, that talk about a unique oh, score. David um, what's, what, I guess, go ahead. What were you going to say about that? I was just going to say that it's another one of those unique ones where it's mm-hmm. like, it kind of almost like, this is kind of a bad comparison, but kind of like Baby Driver. It's almost like a sound, it's like a soundtrack score. Like some of it was made for Ooh. the movie and some of it is just like individual songs. Um, well, Baby Driver is its own thing. I mean, the way they did that was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but that was just kind of a thing that came to mind was Labyrinth and a very unique movie and very unique score and soundtrack that goes along with it. I think Baby Driver is probably one of my favorite recent examples of implementing the soundtrack literally into the movie, like doing actual oh, action, yeah. doing actual actions to the beat of whatever mm-hmm. the music is doing. Um, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I think that's really cool. And they literally edited it and like did all the sound design like on site to an on set. So if they had to reshoot stuff, they could do it. Oh, and yeah. like, 
that that kind of stuff i mean you it shows and it sees and that's and you see it in the film and even just when they're walking like they're walking specifically on like beats in certain scenes and it just makes it all flow so well um and it really achieves what they wanted to you know to you know baby the guy who had tinnitus and always listened to music he kind of saw the world through the way he saw it and it really puts you in his perspective when they did that and so that takes i'm sure a ton of extra work but it's absolutely worth it and that movie is incredible for it and it's just another example of how the unique take on score and soundtrack can totally transform a movie right so we were cool. geeking out watching that movie. oh yeah just like, especially so the opening cool. scenes like well like seven minutes uncut something oh, like that gosh. like it was like perfect well, and i i also the way my brain works is everything is kind of set to a beat like that everything's yeah. kind of set to music so i related to that first of all i was like that's how i think yeah but to see it played out so beautifully yeah um speaking of baby driver drive is a movie i was, I was just down. thinking about drive um, I wrote that down with a question. With okay. Ryan Gosling? But, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I thought of it when John was talking about Baby Driver, not only because of the commonalities of the mm-hmm. film, but um, just like that character who isn't even driver. just driver. He doesn't have a name outside of that. Um, like says very little throughout mm-hmm. the whole film mm-hmm. and so it relies on every other character and then the music and, mm-hmm. um just everything else to like tell a story because this character doesn't say much so when i wrote down drive it sparked a question for me and i don't really know what the question is but more of like a thought and i want to see if anybody has anything to add to it but that made me think because literally i wrote down psycho right away yeah and i was like what else comes to mind and the very next thing was drive and then i thought well it's so interesting how different those are because psycho (laughs) is this orchestral score that's like all about you know matching the the action i guess and the the you know the setting and in Drive, it is songs that already exist, mm-hmm. music that is already existing set to this action. And Reed did an excellent job summarizing like why it becomes so important. But it's very, it's from a from a filmmaking perspective, it's a very different approach because it's a whole other talent really to be able to say okay this song would probably fit this scene really, really well. And even just to be able to like think of a song that would fit there, or if you have one in mind, like to be able to take that and put it in there so perfectly, you know, you're, you're so gently placing this thing right into this perfect spot. Yeah. And that movie is probably one of the best examples of that of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, Sound of Metal. Um, metal. Metal. Is another one that like relies a lot on sound to tell the story, uh, because uh, it's about like uh, it's about a drummer that loses his hearing. Oh, and so like, I mean, there's just there are times where he's like he can hear, or, and then later in the film he can't, um, or like he can hear better or worse at times you know and um just like how that all progresses and uh what happens throughout is it's all based on sound um and it really makes you think about like if you were going through that experience yeah how you'd relate um that's cool i hadn't heard of that that sounds like a really interesting movie i like that yeah, I think it That's was cool. an Amazon original. Okay. Um, what a unique challenge yeah. <laughs> as the as the composer or putting that together. Like, hey, uh, we got a movie. You kind of have to do a lot of heavy lifting here. <laughs> like, how yeah, cool. This was, I think this was mm-hmm. playing at the Walker. Sound of Metal? Or Film Streams or something, yeah. It was probably playing at Film Streams um, around the time of the Academy Awards. Because it was yeah. a nominee, 
I think it also. I think it was one of the best picture nominees. Um, similar, uh, the series "Only Murders in the Building" on Hulu. Um, there's a character that's uh, hearing impaired, and they do an episode from his point of view, mm-hmm, and cool. so there isn't, like, there isn't much sound to it. Like, there there isn't much dialogue that you can hear. That's um, cool. And I I haven't seen it in a while, but I, I'm I don't remember if it was like absence of sound or just absence of like clear clarity yeah um but it was very interesting how that was done because it was point of view not only from um like a mentality aspect but also like the auditory and visual you know yeah just all of that so (laughs) sound it's a fucking funny thing son of a bitch (laughs) I was trying not to laugh, but thank you. I'm... Yeah. I was trying to look up on Netflix this one short film. Um, I forget who did it, but it's just like... It's like 15 minutes of just noise, basically, with mm. some dance or Where did visual. you see this? It's on Netflix. And I uh, a pretty well-known... Um, artist or musician but I cannot remember it that's the type of thing where I wish I could just search Netflix dance sound short film oh 15 minutes <laughs> question mark <laughs> um, here I'm gonna try and look it up yeah while you're pulling that up I want to bring up one more movie that came to mind was the um, Pirates of the Caribbean uh, series where like that okay. that score basically became like the theme for all pirates. Like if you watch any like YouTube video that like involves a pirate or like a pirate scene, <laughs> you'll hear the Pirates of the Caribbean like theme song. Yeah. Cuz it's like perfect. It's like it's, we're gonna it's get, great. We're going to get shut down for copyright if I sing. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty quick on it. But like I think the they were able to in a, a, a make a theme for an entire like genre of movie just anything pirates it's like if you don't hear the pirates of the caribbean theme it's kind of like yeah this is fine but like yeah (laughs) like it's unbelievable and it's just like how it's just so weird how that kind of works and how important that is you don't even think about it until you hear it somewhere else and you're like wow this is nothing compared to the to the pirates of the caribbean theme like i don't know (laughs) it just sneaks up on you the importance sneaks up on you it's interesting because like it's you know that's that's it's the same with visual language right here yeah. you've got themes and icons and colors and all these different things that are like associated with you know let's say pirates yeah but it's it's a lot it's i think the interesting thing about music in that example is like it's a lot less direct you know you you can see like if we're if you're going to have a sports team named the pirates you're going to see that and you're going to see, you know, swords, maybe a, a skull and crossbones with a bandana or something. You know, like yeah. you're going to see the visual things you expect to see. And it's it's pretty direct. It's like, this is the pirates this and you can see pirates. that this is the pirates. Yeah. With audio, it's definitely more built in. And it's like, especially mm-hmm. if you haven't seen Pirates of the Caribbean if you're the two people you know that haven't seen it um but it's I, like i haven't seen it you, if you and ross and, haven't seen it yeah. but or if, ross ross man if you if you kind of hear that music though you're just like this feels like piratey stuff you know yeah. like, adventure it sounds it's like perfect. adventure yeah mm-hmm. it's <laughs> the thing that reminded me of is how uh sports games kind of have their little theme songs oh. and you know some of them like the, yeah, the yeah usually, usually it's like the Roy- for Royals games. It's the other team's bats cracking and hitting home runs. Um, <laughs> yeah, when the Wild play, it's the sound of other teams scoring goals. <laughs> yeah, but like the NFL on Fox music is now oh, used man. for other things on Fox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But then your brain is like, wait, NFL football? That's not. Yeah, 
And then I and have then, school uh, tomorrow. <laughs> ba- basketball on Fox. <laughs> the round ball rock. Yeah. Round ball rock on Fox. Give me, give me, give me the ball <laughs> because I'm gonna dunk it. Basket, basket, basket. <laughs> have you ever seen the actual skit. guy perform that? Yes. He he looks just like that. He looks just like. It's amazing. Um, gosh, what what's his name? Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's Tim Ted. Robinson. No, no. Who who's the actual guy? Oh, I don't know the actual guy's name. <laughs> Jason. Sudeikis. Jason Robinson. I'll have to look it up. But <laughs> nice. Speaking of things we looked up, Anima was the name of the short film. Okay. On uh, Netflix. You want to spell that by... quick? A N I M A. Okay. I kind of figured, but I wanted um, to make directed sure. Directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Starring and scored by Tom York of Radiohead. Okay, Tom York of Radiohead. Oh, really? Um, it's what? What's the description? It's a music short film. Uh, the description is: error page could not be loaded. No. no. In a short musical film directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, Tom York of Radiohead scores and stars in this. Mi- Sorry. Mind-bending visual. Piece best played loud. That's not really a description. Okay, but that's what I wanted you to read. Best played loud. Um, hmm. So I I watched it and I played it loud. It is very, very interesting because there's I don't believe there's any spoken words. It's all it's this. just like 15 minutes of music. I'll be watching this. That's and, cool. Um, yeah. Ben, I think you'll really enjoy it. As a, it seems like something that's gonna get me back into a creative mode. Maybe. But like they're as a fan of L C D sound system. Yeah, I think yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, think yeah, uh, yeah. that kind of experimental I, sound yeah. just will get you excited. <laughs> Sorry. But it but it's also like <laughs> it it is mind bending and if you really pay attention to it. It's it's certainly not something that you can um like turn on and do something else while you're yeah viewing it because I think it's short. <laughs> well, yeah, and because there is no dialogue to like mm-hmm. move the story forward or anything, it's like you have to pay attention to the visual while you're listening to the music. I love that. Do you guys believe in in the whole manifestation thing? Like, if you put something out there in the universe, I don't know. Happen. I try not to think about. That. I I try not to think about it either. I'm gonna do it right now though. I would like to put together a series of films where different folks are kind of scoring them. Mm-hmm. But the it doesn't doesn't that happen already? Well, I have done different, that many different a time. People but, score films. Um, I want it. I want it to be very experimental, though. Ross and I have talked about this a lot. Where. It's it's who is this Ross you keep bringing? Up? Oh, he's my imaginary friend. Oh, okay. Um, it's kind of like it's it's really hard to explain. I want it to feel like sort of a stream of consciousness type of thing. You know how sometimes in the studio Ross will just be like dicking around with music, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Is this going to be?" Well, that's something? what he, that's what I see, but I don't know what he's actually doing. No, that's he's just messing around. No, I don't know, but. Some, just trying to look busy, probably. Something very experimental like that, where it is, it is, it's being built upon seemingly like in the moment. It doesn't have, it doesn't need to be like a live right. recorded thing. You can go back and, you know, tinker with it. But it, I don't want it to be so polished and so formulaic and so overproduced. Um, but I, and then the visual would would match that, you know. It wouldn't have like these cool edits and all this stuff. It would just be sort of like this stream of consciousness story that you're kind of trying to tell. Um, and I want to do like a little series of them where different, I mean, ideally where di- different people um, work on it each time. So like maybe the first one I'm doing the visual and John's doing the audio. Then maybe you do the visual and Ross does the audio, or you know, like each time it's a different combo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end, let's say we do five of them or something. Then at the end, we all collaborate together on one that somehow tries to 
weave them all together. Mm. You know, and and each one, I would, I'd hope each one would be produced independently, so we don't all know, you know, what's going to happen, so that when we go to make the last one, it's kind of this weird collaborative thing. I know that's like a really weird, hard to describe. Yeah, deal, yeah now that you cool. brought it out into this world, it definitely will not happen. No, it, it, <laughs> I, now that it's left my brain, I'll forget about it mm-hmm. forever and ever and ever. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> No, that's that's cool. I like that. Yeah, what's another thing we were supposed to talk about? I had another. Well, I don't know. Idea. Well, I don't know. I was curious how, as like an independent filmmaker, how the scoring works. Do you have a like an independent composer or like other freelance composers that you do? You, do you have people you know that will do that? Like. I don't know. I've well, never I made was, a film, so <laughs> yeah. I was. We were very fortunate that people said yes because. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first film we did, we just used cla- free classical music. Okay. And it's like well-known classical music. I've heard it in a lot of things. In fact, every time I hear it, I'm just like, they copied us. They copied that movie that 20 people <laughs> saw. But, and that's really fun and kind of easy. You can just take a classical piece and set it to something, and it works really well. Yeah. But then. We wanted to we wanted to like really actually have a score for something. And the second movie we did, we had people we had a variety of people kind of create stuff for it. But it was more so like, hey, just could you kind of create something that just kind of fits this vibe? But it wasn't for specific scenes. Mm. And when then we did you know, we just had this like selection that we could choose from and put in where we felt and then the third the third one we actually sat down with two local musicians and like started from scratch and came up with this score and we tom was able to kind of guide them with his creative vision and i was kind of able to to steer them towards the direction that I felt matched the visual theme a little bit. And they were able to create something that was really cool. It was very synth heavy. Um, And it really, really was very tailored for the, the film and it matched each scene. And they were hesitant because they'd never done that, Mm -hmm. but they were very excited because it was a really cool opportunity. Yeah. Um, and then in the fourth movie, we asked the real Zebos if they'd be interested in doing that. And they very politely said, I don't, we don't even know where to begin. That <laughs> seems like a challenge we're not able to take on. They were able to con- contribute some music to it, which is really cool. Um, long story short, in the experience I've had so far, it's been sort of like, hey, I know somebody who does music. Let me see if they'd be interested. Yeah. But it's uh, it's definitely there's not a whole host of folks in Omaha at least who are just sitting around waiting to do film scores. Yeah, um, it's a pretty niche no. thing to hit, I guess. Yeah, there are a few people that who I'd really like to work with. Um, some of them we we know um, here in the neighborhood who work sound in nearby venues. Oh yeah, who I'm not gonna name publicly because I don't know if they want me to, but. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't mind, but I would love to work with Ian. And um, I was gonna say I'm gonna say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he he'd mentioned actually uh, wanting to do some film score stuff for the festival next year. But um, I think it's just something where if if you can reach out to people and kind of make it a very collaborative process, it really has potential to be something incredible. That's I think that's one of those things where that becomes a work of art. Yeah. You know. Um, and we've talked about that, you know, you guys collaborating on, on soundscapes and stuff. You know, each element itself is a work of art. Mm-hmm. Reed's visual art, mm-hmm. John's music, each of those are art in their own format. But then together they come together and create this new experience. Yeah. A very artful experience. And I think those are the types of things I'm in, interested in personally. And I think that's where a lot of, we see a lot of creativity flourish. Uh, so then when people see films like Oppenheimer, you know, then, then you're aware of that again, right? You're like, wow, yeah. 
that extra element added to this artful experience in a very different way than I'm sure Barbie, you know, you know, has a sound. Yeah. Not to say that it's better or worse. I haven't seen either. It's different. Just a different thing, but it probably, you know, it fits that project. Yeah. And you have like that special, that special moment where each individual work is great on its own. The acting is incredible. You could watch it and it would still move you without music. The music is amazing. It would move you without acting. Then when you put them together, and it's just like, holy shit. Right. <laughs> like, this is like a once every few years, if you're lucky, kind of experience. And uh, it's something special. I hope I get lucky enough to see it. Can't <laughs> recommend it enough. <laughs> it's three hours, so uh, buckle in. But oh, you, you saw it in IMAX? I did, did yeah. Know? yeah. Is there an intermission break? No, I had to pee for two well, hours. It's, oh. it's horrible. I, I suppose you don't know if it's worth seeing in at in an IMAX theater for the for the one scene um i would say it's for worth the opening credits for the opening credits and the closing credits yeah no it's a lot mm-hmm. of it is a lot of it is dialogue and i think that you don't need IMAX for dialogue right um but that one scene is pretty sweet and like if you have the option mm-hmm. to do it go for it but it's not going to make or break the movie i don't think you know Christian, i mean i assume yeah. I, like I mean, it's, it's filmed for it. I mean, it's filmed on 70 millimeter right, IMAX yeah. films. Like, it's literally designed asking, for it. But asking as someone who watches most of the movies that they view on a TV at home, yeah. Like, so going to the movie theater is already going to be an uh, just a better an opportunity. Yeah. yeah, an upgrade. I think yeah. I'm going to watch. The movie in a regular theater, and then for that one scene, I'm gonna run across. Run across, the next and, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then run back. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what would go wrong with that. You know what scene it is? I'll know it when I see it. You know, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> yeah, I have a guess of what it might You'll be. You'll be like Ross at the Mulaney show. You'll just leave. <laughs> Like right as it's beginning, it's like right when it gets important to be there. Oh my gosh, it's so frustrating. That kid, that kid. Don't ever buy tickets for for <laughs> Ross. Uh, yeah, don't buy tickets for your imaginary friend. Yeah, you know what else is frustrating? Put you down. What, that we're John? over an hour. Oh so no! If we have any um, kind of closing remarks or. or Anything we wanted to talk about that we didn't get to, now's the time to bring it up. Uh, I'll save what I have for um, another day because okay. it doesn't it doesn't mesh well with this topic. Well, maybe it would, but I'll save it. Ooh, a cliffhanger! We love a cliffhanger. Yeah, I'm, I guess maybe maybe I'll ask it and we don't get into it. Oh my god! Here goes oh. another forty-five minutes. Should we, should we do one of those? Should we do a, a cliffhanging question? Yeah. The thing We've is, is we're gonna before. forget about it and then we're never gonna. Get to that's it. that's why we'll we'll have to listen to it before. Yeah. Um, I'll pull up my notes app because I wrote down the the question. Before Reed asks this question, just a reminder, let us know what you'd like to score this episode. <laughs> just kidding. Please don't critique it. We're fragile. Okay. <laughs> I respond really so, well to compliments. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, have you ever been watching a um, like a thriller or very dramatic film? Yes. And there's someone like... At what you would describe as inappropriately reacting to certain sing- yeah. scenes in the f- in the theater or well, in the... where wherever like your friends on their phone or, oh okay yeah just not or in the movie phones like the, on the, their the phone. maybe not that or... but like they're laughing at a very or their friends yeah. laughing at their dramatic mm-hmm. point like it's not something that you thought would elicit laughter Ah uh, yes, yes, but they're laughing. Yep. Yes, I'm. I'm curious as to how, um, whether we should try and hinder that or not, or if we should just let those uh, reactions, those candid reactions, just happen because that's what it was meant for. So that kind of ties into that other topic that I had proposed. So maybe we right. do that as the topic. Perfect. Okay. 
Come back next time to hear the topic. Come back right, next John, time to hear the John, topic. John, pause and then restart recording. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For next time, though. For next time. And reach out to us um, at, at ArtsCraftsPod on Instagram and Twitter. We would love to hear. We're going to post some Instagram stories asking about what your favorite movie scores are. But Instagram and X. Instagram and X. I'm never. And I'm refused to call social. it X. But uh, threads. I refuse to use it anymore. But reach out to us if about your favorite, um, about your favorite Miss movies or MySpace. or even what you're drinking. Just add us and that kind of thing. Like we love to see that. So um, at Arts Crafts Pod on Instagram and Twitter slash X, uh, we'd love to hear from you. And then also reach out to what is it, Reed? Contact at exarbincreative.com. Yeah, or podcasts at or exarbincreative.com. So yeah, we're here. Reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and next week, next time we get to hear the topic. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Bye.